Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we're joined by social media and specifically YouTube expert Adam Lincoln Auger. Adam has built the largest basketball training company in the world, reaching over 1 billion, that's a B, billion viewers per year, and now helps automate and scale social media presences for multiple seven, eight, and nine figure businesses. Adam leverages social media to scale businesses, generate leads, and capture authority in practically any space. I've asked him to join us here today so we can understand what separates what works from what doesn't. So, Adam, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I am wonderful, and thank you so much for having me, Daryl. It's absolutely a pleasure. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is a really hot topic. It's interesting. I just use social media in a really powerful way. Uh, my girlfriend and I had our bag snatched at the beach, and with the power of social media, we got our stories shared over 250 times, like it was shared on social media by over 250 people, uh, hundreds of likes, I think maybe even, I don't even know, thousands, national news coverage, and we got our stuff back, which is amazing. That almost never happens. So social media can be amazingly powerful, and so I'm actually really excited to talk to you today about how to apply this to our businesses. So now... Did you grow up with the internet? Like, is this, have you always been an online entrepreneur? Do you come from a, a history? Like, are your parents entrepreneurs? What's your background? You know, yes and no. My, my, so my, my dad was a dairy farmer. And, mm. well, he actually still is a dairy farmer. So yes to the fact that he was an entrepreneur. And I grew up uh, seeing how, you know, hard work and seeing what an entrepreneur has to put in and do. Uh, there were no vacations as a child for me. There were no days off for him. In fact, one day he broke his leg. Uh, he actually fell out of a tree stand and broke his leg. And that night, he had a trash bag around his cast because he was out milking the cows that night mm. because he had no one else to help him do it. So um, yes to the fact that my family is entrepreneurs, no to the fact that I grew up with the internet. I didn't actually really get a, 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 a good internet connection until maybe 17 to 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, before that we were on and off with a, with a, you know, the, the old dial. Uh -huh. modem. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't really do a lot with that. So, uh, there, there we have it. Right, 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 right. Okay. So what was one of your first business ventures? So when I was a, a child, when my first venture, um, it was my senior year of, of uh, high school, I saw a need for uh, track and field parents all wanted pictures of their kids mm. and, um, you know, who are running on the track, but mm -hmm. they couldn't get close enough. So what I did is I put together a website at school um, and using the school uh, Internet and computers to allow the kids um, who are down on the track inside the middle on teams to actually use digital cameras to take pictures, upload them to this website, and then the parents could actually buy the pictures. What? So, you know, <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty pretty sweet deal. We ended up actually just donating all the money um, because I didn't want to get in trouble with the NCAA um, mm. for college athletics and start. You know, so I actually had to donate and give all that money away, which sucked at the time. That would have been awesome to have. Got it, got it, got it. But I mean, you probably <laughs> learned a lot of lessons in that one experience itself. Oh, totally. It stuck with me, man. It stuck with me. The fact that I learned it, you know, uh, in two thousand and two that you could make money with the internet um even on the small scale was something that stuck with me and it stuck with me through college even though i took i stepped away from internet business in general to to uh, pursue college and uh, professional athletics i never forgot 
And eventually my story was brought back, of course, to, to being back on the internet and, and selling. Now, before we get into any of the other specific stuff, I'm just kind of curious simply because you, you know, I've, it sounds like you've been on the internet longer than I have, at least in the business sense. And I've been around for quite some time. Kind of curious of what you think some of the fundamentals of an online business would be. Sure. So for me, the number one fundamental I see when, when I start out a business is, and it's different from what most will say is community. So with any business that we've created, we always concentrate on building a unique community that our target market would want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wasn't drawn to YouTube because I liked video. I was drawn to YouTube because it to me was one of the fastest ways to build a community, mm -hmm. you know, and, and be an authority to that community. So number one for me is, is build the community. Number two is, is please the community. Ask them what they want and create it for them. Help them with their problems and uh, put out content that, that is what they want, not what you want them to want, if that makes sense. I think a lot of us make the mistake of trying to put out content that we feel is, will bring us leads and bring us sales. But instead, if you just simply reverse the script, put out content that the audience in your community wants, and then they'll tell you what they want to pay more for. Mm, mm, that's so powerful because I always say like a business is just a group of people solving the problems of another group of people, whether it's it. a product or service. I mean, that's all it is at the end of the day, your company, you've got an office, whether it's just you or you and five people or you and 40 people. And all day you're working to do something that solves a pain point for other group, another group of people. So I, I really love that. Are there any kind of like, all right, so build a community. That sounds great. What is that? in like actuality like how you know what i mean like how does the, how do you build sure. a community how do you there's tons of dead facebook groups right right so the, and and the reason why communities don't succeed and and the majority of them don't is because they they're built out of a selfish place mm. you know we we see people all the time saying hey i need to build a uh, a Facebook group, but I need a monetization plan or I need to get a YouTube channel going. Um, how do I extract leads and sales? So the first thing that I concentrate on with any business that we either become partners with or start is what I call social currency. Mm -hmm. And that is, I do not look at the short game. I don't pay any attention to the short game. And I know that's, that's very, very difficult. We are uh, in a very impatient time when it comes to online business where we want to put a buck in and get a buck 50 or two bucks out. And I get that. But what I'm trying to uh, be more vocal about, because I've seen the long-term gain and how incredible it can be, is to build a community based on passion and helping people. And as, you know, as simple and, and you know, kind of gooey as that sounds, woo-wooey as that sounds, it is incredibly powerful. Our social currency is, is based on likes, subscribers, engagement. If we know that we are winning the week-to-week -week and the month-to-month -month game of increasing our social currency month after month after month, it is inevitably a six and eventually a seven-figure business. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. So that's the game I play, and we always concentrate on the social currency uh, at least year one. And uh, that's the hardest part with, with the way that the model that I like to teach is it's tough, but the long-term uh, growth is incredible. It's very, very powerful. Mm. So 
So, all right. I'm 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 a, I'm a take, writer. I'm a writer downer, so I'm taking notes as we talk. Cool. So I love this. So the social currency part is basically find some sort of pain point or niche or focus point that you can rally people together on, and don't worry about making money in the beginning. Just kind of beat that drum that brings everyone together and watch the metrics. And forgive me, I, I heard likes, subscribers. Did you say engagement was the third one? And you got it, engagement. Got so, it. Um, you know, how is the community, not only, you know, a lot of us think a Facebook group's a great example, is you go on and you yell at the community and they like your stuff and they comment on your stuff. But what I want to see is how is the community engaging with the community? Are people posting questions? Are people answering the questions? Because that's really powerful mm -hmm. because then that becomes self-fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Right. That your content is actually being created without that pressure on your shoulders to always be the person doing the creating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. User generated content can be very liberating. So I, right. think, that, I think that's really powerful. So. All right. Now, are you talking about building businesses from scratch or you already have an existing business? Because here's one of the things that I'm, I'm, I want to mention it and maybe. And so one of my concerns is I've known people and there's maybe there isn't a perfect answer. But I've known people that have done two approaches, people that have first crafted an offer that converts and mm -hmm. something that works and then built like a content strategy out and, you know, a following and all that afterwards to kind of like lead people back down the yellow brick road, so to speak, to that core, right, to the core offer that they know is going to people want. And I've seen other people do the opposite where they build a really large following first and then they segue that into something that they can sell. But I've seen both fail. And so I kind of, yep. you know, and that's where I've seen people that have built followings. They spent all this money and they build an Instagram page with a million followers. And there's, you know, there's not a whole lot to be done at the end of the day. Like they can't figure out how to monetize it. And so they end up sure. know, trying to give to other people. So can you speak to that a little bit? Totally. So the way that I, I would describe, I'll, I'll start first with kind of the paid model of, creating an offer that converts, putting a dollar in, getting a, a $2 out, let's say. Um, my question to, to those business owners who approach me who are interested in my model is how do you treat the 95% of the people or the 90% of people who will never buy from you? Mm -hmm. How do you treat those leads, those prospects, these people that raised their hand, said, hey, I'm interested in what you have to say, but you know, and what I find, and this isn't true of everyone, of course, but what I find nine times out of 10 is the business owner says, oh, they're dead leads. Oh, they're, you know, we, we try to get them off the leads or off the list, or we push offers down their throat and try to get them on the customer list. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, that to me is just mind blowing mm -hmm. because here's where the, the, the big secret is. If you give the 95% of people who will never likely buy from you an electric experience, your business will explode mm. because they may not ever buy from you, but guess what? They're concentric friends. There's someone they know that will. And mm. these, this is how we grew, we grew the basketball business to a billion views a year. Um, you know, we're selling to a market of, of 13 year olds who don't own credit cards. Mm -hmm. Um, not many of them, a small percentage of them will ever buy from us. And mm -hmm. we said, hey, we understand that and that's okay. So what we did instead was we said, hey, what can we do to give that 95% an electrifying experience? 
And in doing that, we grew and, you know, we can't, we can't cut off the growth at this point. There's no way we could stop. I put out a YouTube video on my personal page the other day and I had people asking me if I could still dunk or if I still trained vertical jump. I haven't given a vertical jump training lesson in, in about six, seven years. Wow. But this audience is still following me around. So that's how I would <laughs> explain, you know, the first, um, scenario mm -hmm. now the second scenario is someone who's built the audience but then they um you know then they're having trouble with the monetization um you know i i'm a, a big believer there's always a way if mm -hmm. you build the audience the right way they look at you as an authority figure or someone that that they trust um or they look at the community as an authority or someone that they trust or something that they want to be a part of Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's always a monetization route there. Mm -hmm. So for those who struggle, it may have been, they were positioning an incorrect offer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, or maybe it's not an offer type scenario, but there's always a way to monetize, whether it's merchandise, whether it's advertising, there's always going to be a way to monetize. If you have control over the eyes, um, there's always a way to monetize that. So now I can't help but ask this other segue question. So how do you get the offer out there? So say you've got, like you said, the 95% that will never buy. You're still taking care of them. You're still giving them a ton of value. So they're your evangelists. They're beating your drum. They're you know telling their friends and family how great you are and sending them your way. How how are you segment? Are you putting offers in every video or all like? Like, are you making sure everybody knows what you have to sell? We should say, and everything you do, sure. even if that's not the focus, right? If it's this is just a free uh -huh. content piece, but we're going to mention this program that we have for sale, anyways. Like, how do you do? You get what I mean? Like, how do you still? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So we we always add the logical next step at the end of of any piece of content that we put out, but it's always in a free form. So it's it's always list building specific. We do not go straight to the offer, at least. That's not the model that we personally do. Um, what we like to do is we like to get them on the list for, for a couple reasons. Number uh, one, once they're on the list, we can sell to them. You know, we can put offers in, in front of them often and they're going to get so much content from us out in all of our, our social sources that we have. Um, but we want to really hit the email list with offers and let them make sure that they're aware that there is a logical next step for them. Number two, we, we do touch points. And what I mean by that is once we get them to the mailing list, we want to get them on four to five touch points. So if they come from YouTube, we need to get them over to our Facebook Messenger. They'll already be on email. So there's three touch points, YouTube, mm -hmm. email, and Facebook, right? Our Facebook Messenger. Then we want to make sure that they're in a group. And then if we want to get them to our website to be pixeled, that would be a touch point. So what we want to do is we want to hit as many touch points as possible um, for our audience, we definitely want Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Those are our main three. But I want to make sure that we get full value out of each lead. So not only by putting our offers in front of them, but by hitting all of the touch points, because that is how you're going to grow organically, is getting these people who have taken that step of even opting in for your list. They're very serious about what you offer. So most likely they're liking, they're subscribing they're engaging. Right. So I love this. All right. So in all your content, you're mentioning to, and I, and the email list is something you control, right? Like we've been around a long time, social media channels come and go. They're popular, then they're not. 
I helped build a Facebook page to like 300,000 followers. You were getting, you know, reach of over 2 million in a week. And all of a sudden, January 1st, I think it was 2014 or maybe 2015, January 1st, Facebook changed their algorithm. We went from getting, you know, 2 million, uh, reaching 2 million people, you know, every week to getting maybe 500,000 because they changed their algorithm. And that's when they introduced the boost. You could pay to boost your posts on Facebook, <laughs> right? And so there's like, so Absolutely. I love that you like, again, you're getting them. So you own them. Uh, and then after that, you're, you're spreading it around. So you're not, so when someone comes and they opt in your email list, you're not trying to sell them for, I'm just picking an arbitrary day, but 21 days or something like that. You're just getting them onto all the other channels first. Is that accurate? Exactly. Exactly. With our basketball market, our leads will, will not only see our offers, you know, the, the saying someone needs to see your offer seven times or whatever your advertisement seven times. We actually have a multiple opt-in before a purchase where it's not uncommon for someone to actually be on our list and then opt in again from Instagram or opt in again from, from YouTube or opt in mm. again from Facebook. And they'll continue to opt in because we're putting different free offers, um, you know, on a weekly to monthly basis on all of our different platforms. So we keep touching them and bringing them back and, and re-engaging. And I think that's something that you know, we, we, we miss sometimes we think once they're, once they're on their list, on the list, you know, they're, they're, they're at the end point. We either, they buy or not, but we found that if you have them on multiple social medias and multiple yep. touch points, that you will continue to re-engage people, yep. you know, it's just a form of retargeting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and your Facebook or your Instagram or your YouTube, it's, it's kind of an email list anyhow, but in those platforms, you don't do from what I see, it's almost like you don't do too much selling there. That's where you get the right. engagements. You get people to raise their hands and then you sell them elsewhere. But that's a fantastic place to find out who's interested. I mean, it's a great lead generator, right? You go, you're on Facebook, mm -hmm. you're in a Facebook group. Hey, would anyone be interested in this? You know, create a poll, yes or no. And on Facebook, if people say yes, you can click on the yes and all the names of all the people pop up, you know, that said yes. And now it might be some manual work. To message those people but at least you know what i mean you're not spamming the whole group um so i think i i, I think it. i get what you're saying like i mean there's a, a way to ascend people and so that's where you have to get them aware of what you do and that you, what your business does and how you can help them then you have to get them to engage with you the difference between shopping and window shopping is when people window shop they don't touch anything but if they're opting in if they're doing that sort of stuff like what you say if they're opting in for your freebie off Facebook, if they're opting in for your freebie off, you know, your Instagram, now they're engaging. They're not, you know, they're touching things. They're like, Hey, I want some of what this person has. Absolutely. Yep. That's that legitimately is the majority of our entire business model right there Got is it. getting, getting them to the list. And then a lot of people, you know, and I used to preach this is once they're on the list, you don't need to, you don't need to send them out to social media. If you want to, you've got them on the list. Now it's time to sell. But over the years, I've learned, no, I want, I want to send them and, and spread that, that love around because it pushes and builds the organic growth so much. And like you just said, the window shopping versus going in the store, you know, they're now touching and they're now taking actions and, and they're so much more likely to take that final action and become a customer if they're, if they're doing those things. 
So what have been some of your biggest challenges in learning this game and growing and figuring it out? I mean, you said just before you used to think this, but now you think something else. <laughs> have there been any milestones that you feel like you've surpassed, like where I figured out that this was important and then I figured out this was, you know, almost like, again, almost like a movie if there was an ascension in your in your mastery? Right. Yeah. So, you know, my best, um, you know, my best, uh, there's two things that really stand out to me. Number one is trust. So when I started out, I was very trusting and I kind of got, got screwed over, um, in business when I was youthful. So, um, you know, I had to learn to be more to, to, well, first I stopped trusting people. And I realized that's not the way to do that. Then my my answer to that was I had to trust enough and I continually would get burned, but trust enough until I found loyal people to help me grow. So, you know, that I I know that's a little off subject, but it's worth mentioning is that, you know, I feel like it's (laughs) it's hard not to do business and and not at some point get burned. But I think it's important to say that that getting burned is part of of the process and you learn from it. And I think trust is something that that's necessary and, and beneficial. Now Mm. the second, you know, the second um, thing that the second big challenge was understanding that I at, you know, I'm going on 12 years in, in online business um, since I started the basketball business or the vertical jump business, I am still a rookie. Mm Mm-hmm. And because of me willing to accept and let the ego go and say, I am still a rookie and I can learn from, you know, hey, listening to a podcast or reading or, or, or looking at what others are, are having success with. I never shut down that or shut that door mm-hmm. of thinking that I was, I was the pro and I had it figured out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that those were the challenges for me were to think that I, at some point I thought I was going to be the guy on top of the hill or top of the mountain thinking, Hey, I know it all. And the truth of the matter is that's not the case, nor should I ever want it to be because mm-hmm. be, being a rookie is, is something that I will proudly accept and continue to be because I want to continue to learn and continue to better myself because we're all figuring out stuff every single day that can help one another. Right. Right. And things evolve so fast, right? But it, mm-hmm. it really does help to have historical perspective because you can understand trends and, hey, this looks familiar. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, we're all simply little bits of history repeating, but there's certain nuances where you just have to keep abreast. As soon as you think you know it all, you're, you, you know, you're, you're in trouble. But when right. you think you don't, you know, and that's where, so some people have said, you know, you can also overanalyze too. You kind of have to uh, trust your gut as, and that's almost, I think, why I say like always be learning because it's almost like, a lot of people all know that Facebook learns how to market for you. If you do advertising on Facebook, they learn. If you just keep pumping money into Facebook, eventually they'll figure out something that works for you, right? might cost you $50,000, right. but the algorithm will start to figure out what type of people respond, don't, what are similarities between the accounts, blah, blah, blah. And that's almost like your gut. And so I love what right. you even said, like with trust, like you'll get burned, but you can't clam up, you know, like that's, that's like if your child fell over and hit their head trying to learn to walk, you'd be like, well, you know what? You don't have to learn to walk now. Like, forget that. Exactly. You, would, you would make them get back up until they learn <laughs> to walk. You just, there would be no mm-hmm. giving up. Right. So exactly. I really, yeah, I, one of my, I completely agree. And I, if I had to point at one thing that really helped me 
uh, grow over the last, um, you know, over a decade, it's the adaptions, you know, just if I had one thing that I'm very prideful of when it comes to me and business, it's the ability that I have a, a great ability to adapt when I get punched in the face, so to speak. <laughs> it happens so often that I've learned to take the punch and figure out a way to, to get through that obstacle. Yeah. And it stings. It really does sting because you're right. It gets burned. <laughs> it's funny because when you said that, I've been I've been burned. I've been burned. I've shut down part, mm-hmm. areas of my business because I was like, I just don't want to deal with anymore. But I think you're you're really right. And when you when things do click, it's almost like it almost is like a romantic relationship. You might have a lot of people, you know, uh, mess you over, screw you over. But when you find mm-hmm. one that clicks, that could be a lifelong, a really beautiful thing. So I, I very much understand and respect that. So, all right, we need to create content. We need to build a community. Now, one of the things I, I guess I want to ask about that, where do you get your community from? I know back in the day on YouTube, it was... Uh, you know, promote your YouTube videos on Facebook to boost yourself on YouTube, but that doesn't really work so much anymore. Facebook and YouTube don't like each other. Um, sure. Using Facebook, or if I understand correctly, using YouTube links in your Facebook posts cuts the reach that you have versus if you just upload it to Facebook. So how how do people get this following? How do they build an audience? For anyone who's starting out and maybe struggling, they've got a channel, they've got you know, no one seeing their views. Because I've had the conversation with people and sorry this is I'm, this is a long question but i've had the conversation with people actually there's a guy in africa this kid he's 18 years old wants to be a motivational speaker guy and he's like i'm going to create four videos a day that was his plan four videos a day but i thought i thought maybe you should find who you're going to have watched mm-hmm. the videos first because you could just have a ghost town you know of a channel totally yeah, so um, we've we've covered some cool things thus far that will actually help us answer this question. We talked about how Facebook ads, how the Facebook's algorithm will actually start to learn, you know, who your target market is, and it kind of becomes that that gut for you. With YouTube, you're looking at a very similar platform. Uh, YouTube now has a timeline, and now the algorithm is based more off of its suggested videos. And based on the people who watch your content and watch the most of your content, it will then start creating that lookalike audience in the background and start showing more of that lookalike audience your content to see how they react to it. So it's very similar in the sense that now it's more algorithm-based, even more so than how we all assume now, and it still is, YouTube's the second biggest search engine in the world. We all hear that. But... Search is becoming a smaller and smaller piece of YouTube. Uh, we, we run you know, between 30 and 40, 30 and 50 channels right now. Um, and YouTube search is an average maybe 7 to 10% of the total mm-hmm. view volume. Because, and, and the reason being is the platform is going to know who, your, um, you know, who, who wants to watch your content based off the people who watch your content. So to answer your question, it, it can be like Facebook ads where, hey, if you throw enough video content up, eventually YouTube will figure out the best people who watch your stuff. Mm. But the best way is just like with Facebook ads, if you can help the platform out. So by putting out content that is in fact searched for, by using keywords that YouTube's going to understand better who your target market is, and then by being very consistent with your channel, being on a specific um, content. 
So for example, I have a basketball channel. If I started doing basketball videos on Mondays and make money videos on Wednesdays, YouTube's going to be confused and that subscriber base is going to be confused, right? Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that content is very specific to um, one specific region, for example, basketball. And then you create multiple buckets within your certain region for video concepts because we don't want all of our videos to be the exact same. So an example of buckets, as I refer to them in basketball, were what are the major pain points that your target market is searching for? In basketball, you've got shooting, you've got scoring more points, you've got jumping higher, and you've got ball handling. That's kind of it. So all of our videos are within those four subjects. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of take turns and moving, move on and on. So that's number one. Number two is we need to use all of our other assets. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, wherever you already have Twitter, wherever you already have traffic, we need to natively capture them to the best of our ability. And what I mean by that is like, for example, Facebook, you mentioned how if you put up a YouTube link, uh, Facebook's not going to like that much. That's 100% accurate. So what you do instead is we would put up a bot link to uh, get them on a, um, on a Facebook messenger bot. So we could do native CTAs to make to take them to a native location. Then once we get them on the Facebook bot, we can then send them without problem to the YouTube video. The other example, of course, is the mailing list. If you can get people to your mailing list and then continue to send them to your YouTube videos as you post, um, that's extremely, extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. And that will help speed the process for, for YouTube to truly understand who that target audience is. And the two things to pay attention to are with YouTube are number one, the click through rate on your thumbnails. Mm. So YouTube just released beta. What are your click through rates? It's just like an ad. If click, if, if YouTube is constantly showing your picture, your, your thumbnail and no one's clicking on it, guess what they're going to do? They're not going to show it no matter how great your content is. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to show that because it's not getting clicks. And if, if you, people aren't clicking on your stuff, they're not staying on YouTube. So the number two is how long can you keep them watching? So that's, of course, the watch time. But even watch more time. specifically, yeah, the average view retention. So based on all of your videos, what is the average view retention? And if your game for YouTube becomes just those two things, how can I increase my click-through rates on my thumbnails? Doing things like having text, having uh you know, pulling curiosity, having better headlines, a more, you know, for lack of a better term, more email style headlines that are going to get the click and -hmm. get that open. It's the same concept. And then number two, how can we keep them there? Can we have cliffhangers? Can we have uh, interesting pattern interrupts? Can we make sure that our content is completely targeted and specific to whoever clicked the, the thumbnail to begin with? And doing those two things alone it's pretty inevitable unless you just struggle on camera. It's really inevitable to um, to fail with YouTube if you do those two things and you concentrate on those two things. I love it. I love it. I love it. So that's extremely helpful. And uh, so you have to get people. I mean, this is honestly a lot of this as I talked about historical context. I mean, uh, a lot of this is old school marketing. A-I-D-A. Attention, interest, desire, action. Get their attention, the thumbnail, the headline, right? Average view retention. Get their attention, right? Desire. Do they desire to learn more and watch your video? I mean, that's the view time retention, right? 
uh, interest or wait, A I D A. Yeah, uh, sorry, uh, awareness or attention, interest, desire, action. So it sounds like like you're not putting the CTA at the front of the video, right? You're not leading them to the next step at the beginning of it. You're not saying, hey, opt in for this free thing at the beginning of the video. You're getting their attention first. You're getting their interest second. You're getting them to desire to watch the rest of the video, be entertained, be educated, and then you're going to go for your call to action, which we already talked about for you. A lot of it is the next free step. Low risk, low barrier of entry, right? I'm bribing them. The next thing for you, get this cool thing, go here. Now you're creating a ton of reciprocity with them, a ton of value in their mind. You're establishing yourself as an authority. You're building a relationship with them. You've, you've taken your competitors out of their out of their uh, peripherals, right? They've, they're not on YouTube looking at your channel and all these other channels. Now they're on your website downloading your free ebook thing, right? Or whatever the thing is you're good. They're signing up for your free yep. video course. Now they're in their email inbox and looking at that. You've segmented yourself from the rest and now you've got more of their desired focus and attention. I think that's really fantastic. So how, how do you find out what content people want you to produce? How do you just not end up producing stuff? I mean, you mentioned buckets. How many buckets should we have? Should we have 30 buckets? Should we have four buckets? So what, what I'd recommend is limiting your buckets to whatever would be um, the categories of major problems mm -hmm. within your – so what I mean by that is, for example, a bucket could be vertical jump and another bucket may be something like dunking. Right. So in my mind, those are two different things, but they're actually the same problem for the most part. So that would fall under one bucket. Got it. So I just want to make sure that I mention we call it bracelet and, and charms with with in our business where uh, you have a bracelet term like vertical jump. And then using uh, you can actually go into YouTube. And this is where we still to this day figure out our content. We'll go into YouTube. We'll type of um, what we feel our target market would type into YouTube to find the solution to their problem. Mm -hmm. So right in that YouTube uh, bar, we would type in, for example, vertical jump help. Right. And then YouTube would autocomplete. And then based on that autocomplete, you can see what styles and what types of videos people are, are actually watching. Mm -hmm. And just by simply clicking on them. And then those types of videos, you, you want to look at what videos are keeping your attention what videos have a, a strong engagement? Because that's a great sign that people watch them all the way through. Of course, what videos are getting the most viewership? And you want to just really sit down, figure out why this competitor's videos are doing so well, and then create what you feel is just a better video. We talk, we just say that, hey, what can we do to make it better? And we, what we'll do is we'll take a concept and, and vertical jump. They might be a ball handling drill. Mm -hmm. So we'll watch someone else's ball handling drill and say, hey, that's that's a great video. Mm -hmm. But I know that my drill can be better. And if we use these different angles and these different looks, it'll make for a more compelling video. Mm -hmm. Also, one of the best things that you can do with your content is typically create a longer video than what you see is the average of the top three or four. Mm -hmm. So if you search a term and you find that, the first video is typically fairly long that comes up on YouTube when you type in a search term. It's fairly long. It's usually anywhere from like eight to 13 minutes. Um, it's typically fairly, uh, you know, within the last couple years is when it's come out. And then you look at the next few and typically they're going to be shorter. So mm. what's something that we like to do is 
we'll, we'll pick a specific subject. This is a really cool way to when you start your channel to start pulling attention and pulling more watch time. Go with an ultimate video. And usually my headline is something like the ultimate basketball move video of 2018 or the, the ultimate, um, you know, shooting workout in 2018 or the ultimate Facebook ad secret, you know, something that will drive attention. But then what we do is we just try to outperform the competitors by creating better content, something that's more helpful, that's more timely. Um, and that's typically longer and that's going to help drive more, more viewership and get your watch time up out of the gate. Mm, I love this. This is this. So people, if you're not taking notes, you may want to listen to this interview a couple times because we're talking about a lot of value bombs. And even though we're talking about YouTube, this kind of applies to almost anything. I mean, YouTube is just one format and this is something that I've, we've known for years. In fact, we have a couple great interviews with Jermaine Griggs where he talks about it building his seven-figure business where he says he's like he's like you know what you hear about like the native americans like when they killed a buffalo nothing went to waste so when he would create a video out of the video he would pull images he would pull audio he would have a transcribe create blog posts have an ebook made out of it and a lot of that stuff you can uh you can uh hire other people and have a team do for you so that you all you're doing is with that one video you're creating content for every other platform you have out there um, within one tool. So even though we're talking about YouTube, the stuff still applies everywhere. Your email, if the subject line on the email sucks, they're not going to click to open the email, right? If you're same, ever, just top to bottom, this stuff applies. So it, it's not so much just even channel specific, although it is extremely helpful uh, for specifically YouTube. I think this is just great, great content. I want to step back one thing because you mentioned you said buckets, charms, or, or bu <laughs> buckets, bracelets, charms. You're, you're talking about yep. drilling down, right? So the bucket is, like you said, the pain point, and then the charm is like the, the second tier down. Or Sorry, the bracelet yep. is the second tier down, and then the charm is the piece of the bracelet. You, you got it exactly right. So a bracelet term is something that you would type into YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's a main pain point, so vertical jump. Right. How to jump higher um, in, in our world, it would be, you know, Facebook ads tutorial okay. or how to do how to retarget. So major short tailed keywords would be what I would call buckets. Now, or I'm sorry, bracelets. Right. Now, the bucket might be like paid ads. The, the bucket would be exactly. paid ads. Boom. And the bracelet yep, is Facebook ads or whatever. Okay. You got it. And then the charms are when you type in a bracelet term on YouTube, charms are typically what YouTube auto completes and, and tells you people are searching for. Mm -hmm. So if you type in, uh, you know, Facebook ads on YouTube, a lot of the, the terms YouTube's are going to YouTube's going to uh, recommend are going to be like YouTube ads 2018, YouTube ads for beginners, YouTube ads retargeting. Mm -hmm. And those are all charm specific. Now, mm -hmm. What where it gets somewhat confusing, but I can I think I can say it in a simple way, is you you have bracelets that can go in and multiple bracelets can go into a single bucket. Mm -hmm. So an example of that would be bracelets like um, vertical jump and jump higher and learning to dunk could all go into a bucket for jump higher. Right. And the reason that's important is because you don't want to create a funnel and a free gift and a product for every single bracelet term. But you do want to do that for every bucket term. Right. So now, and then all, now all of a sudden I have 
all videos for vertical jump training, all videos for jumping higher, all videos for how to dunk, all going to a vertical jump funnel. Mm-hmm. And that's a big win. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and something else that you said that that Jermaine Griggs, who who is awesome by the way. Oh, you know um, Jermaine? He's like, yeah, he's like no, my I, best I, friend. Yeah, he is amazing. I I bought a lot of his stuff, and uh, he's incredible. Um, but something that that he had mentioned about, um, you know, if you you all you don't spare anything, and we look at it the, the exact same way with um, and the, how we do this is it's pretty funny. We had. Um, I was on a call with a company way, way bigger than anything that I'm doing. Um, they have hundreds of employees and they con- contacted us asking, how do you guys create so much content? Like how big is your team? You must have a ton of people. Cause I think they had a team of like 40 or 50 people who just did content for them. I'm like, no, it's five of us. It's just <laughs> five of us. And they're like, how in the heck is that possible? And here's how we do it. Whatever is your, your longest based algorithm. So whether it be YouTube um, or maybe it's LinkedIn, but if you're if your your main platforms are, for example, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, the platform that that's algorithm wants the longest form of content is what we recommend creating for. Mm. So what I mean by that is we only create. Uh, we're in the gym two hours a week. I'm sorry, two hours a month, and we create one month of content for Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And how we do that is we create only for YouTube. And then in a YouTube video right now, the algorithm likes the videos to be anywhere from 8 to 12 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So then what we'll do is we'll then send it over to our, our Facebook and Instagram video editor, or you can outsource this, and create little 30 to 60 second videos with text on them because you know people on Facebook don't really listen that much. So mm-hmm. you want to have text on your videos. So they'll take that same YouTube content and create uh, a ton of Facebook and Instagram content. And then from there, they'll repurpose to the blog with the audio. We'll have it sent to um, you know a transcription site from the YouTube video. We'll pop the YouTube video up, put the blog or put the text under it. Then we have a blog. And then use the YouTube thumbnails and you can actually repurpose them to Instagram uh, um um, Pinterest mm-hmm. and you can use screen shares as well as you want. So there's a lot of repurposing, um, opportunity, but something I think is important to say is based on how long an algorithm enjoys content. So with Facebook, typically one to two minutes, maybe three, um, Instagram shorter than that. Of course, YouTube likes that longer content. If you create for a shorter algorithm, so Instagram or YouTube is what you create content for. Never try to repurpose that up, mm. meaning an algorithm that likes longer form content because it doesn't do very well. Mm. Got it. So don't go small to big. Yeah. Big to small. That makes you sense. You got it. Exactly. Because you can pull out the punchy stuff. Yep. But if yep. you go, if you, you yeah, but if you go, if you take a one minute clip and you try to expand it into a six minute thing, it's just a lot of fluff. <laughs> exactly, and people can sense that people can tell i'm sure i do my best to make all my interviews and this one's definitely going to be like or not going to be this that one is definitely a good one but i think people can tell that if there's pockets of things where there's fluff and i hope there's no fluff and very little i do my best to keep it meaningful conversation but people can tell which is why you don't want to go right you don't want to go small to big because you're like oh now now like now it's like when i first had my martial arts school i I remember when i first started teaching martial arts had my own martial arts school i was always worried about what i was going to teach 
in class mm-hmm. that night. But after a couple of months, I realized what was more important is what people were going to learn. And it's just a different mindset flip. Because when I was worried about what I was going to teach, I would show up to class with like seven things to teach. But when it was, what are people going to learn? It was like, okay, here's some fundamentals I want to make sure everyone understands. Or maybe here's three techniques or four techniques I want to learn. But when you show up, you start looking at where are people at. And then you really start, it's about getting them to the next step, right? Not right. filling an hour. And I'm, I'm kind of dealing with that now. I've got a, I do CrossFit. I have an instructor that wants classes to be an hour long. So sometimes we're doing stuff that just is like to fill time. And people can sense that, you know, so don't just fill time. And I'm rambling now, so I'm going to stop. But I think that's, that makes sense for why you go big, small, because you can pull it. It's exactly. way more effective, way more effective. Yeah, and one of, one of my favorite <clears throat> things to do to kind of kind of end on this subject is, you know, when you create for YouTube, a lot of people like to do like five steps to do something or 10 steps or instead of doing steps, maybe do five ways to do something. And why I say that is because five, if you do something five ways to get more leads, for example, you can repurpose that into five different Facebook videos, mm. right? Where you can't do, if you do five steps, now all of a sudden you can't just pull a step out and put it on Facebook. That's not going to teach anything. Right, right, So, right. yeah, so that's a cool little little secret that we do. Um, you know, in fitness, it could be five exercises to, you know, get a strong core. Right, right, Versus right. five steps to a strong core. I love that. So something I know that I know this caught some people listening to their attention. You said you do two hours of work per month. I'm just for content. Can you, can you repeat well, that? <clears throat> well, yeah. So that that's definitely not true. Um, cause I, I work a lot, but, but I wouldn't be the one in the gym. If you guys saw me, my jump shot, you would not want to learn basketball <laughs> from me. <laughs> so, um, no, we have, um, a basketball trainer, my business partner, who, when I go back to talking about trust, he is the person that truly won my trust and he is a brother to me. He is family. Um, but he'll go in the gym with our videographer for two hours. We'll get the gym for two hours. We will create anywhere from six to eight great YouTube videos. We'll put out two videos a week. Um, so that's roughly about a month and a half of content for YouTube. We'll repurpose that down into anywhere from, from six to 12 Facebook videos uh, from there, we'll repurpose down with images and um, little tiny clips for Instagram. Anywhere from 20, 30, 40 pieces of content per uh, YouTube, or, yeah, per YouTube uh, video. And then, of course, by the time you you do that eight times, you've got more content than you really need right. from Facebook for Facebook and Instagram. Right, 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 right. Yeah, more than you can really use. So mm-hmm. that's powerful. That's super powerful. So do all the research beforehand, show up with a nice tight, uh, like do you have to worry about changing shirts or anything like, cause people are going to see you wearing the same clothes for, you know, yeah. for the month. Is that, <laughs> is that ever a concern? I'm what, oh, 100%. You know, I think this is something that's actually overlooked, um, is someone will make the mistake of wearing the same clothes. And you know, the, the main reason people think that's a bad idea is because they're going to think about your hygiene and think that you come out with videos without ever changing They're you know, our, the average viewer isn't going to really comprehend bulking as much as we as marketers would and, and business owners would understand. But the real problem is if I hop on Instagram or hop on, um, more importantly, YouTube, and see you wearing the exact same gear in the exact same spot, I'm going to assume that that's the video I may have already watched. Mm. So, yeah, so that that can really be a click-through rate 
um, you know, uh, it, it will hurt the click through rate and it will hurt the watch time, especially even we recommend having a pretty, um, standard introduction that you get through where someone might click on a new video, listen to your intro, which sounds similar to your last video and think, Hey, I've already watched this and click off of it. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So you want to try to just make sure people are in a new place, the new thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why you can't have a blanket thumbnail. That's why you got to have and and this is I and this is kind of the something that at least I know. So at least you and else you want to hook them in the first five seconds, right? Because that's the that's the whole that's why you skip ads in five seconds. If it hasn't hooked you in five seconds, don't you know? Yep. And I think that's an important thing for anyone listening. To this is in AIDA attention attention interest desire action. Once you get their attention, they click your video. You got to get their interest. And you got to get it fast. If you can get them to stay past five seconds, you might get thirty. You know, and then it's it's constantly trying to get them through those hurdle rates. Um, that's really powerful. That's really really good. So, what are the com most common mistakes? Like you've given us, and I'm gonna kind of do a quick summary here because I again I want to respect your time. I know we're reaching kind of nearing the end, but we still have a little bit of time. So we talked about you know having a community, doing the research on the the major pain point categories, drilling down, having bracelet terms, charm terms, right? Doing the YouTube auto search to figure out all the videos that you're going to create. Do it in bulk. Try to do what you can to make sure it's different, whether you're just turning so there's a different background, you're switching your shirt. There's something that makes people feel like it's just not you in front of the same background screen with the same colored shirt every time. Um, And then putting that out there and really focus on trying to build the community, having a funnel for each of those major uh, areas that you've mentioned that you talk about those major pain point problems um, and then once you get them on the email list to spread them around to all your touch points just because you get them on the email list isn't a victory yet get them on other channels as well keep producing content um, where do you think are some of the mistakes people make yeah so that? I come yeah so I come from a, a sports background and something that I learned early with sports was if, if you play and do everything fundamental it doesn't always mean you're going to to win. And what you have to do is you can't get upset. You can't start stop change or start changing things as long as you're sticking to your fundamentals. And any type of community building, um, you want to stick to your fundamentals. And those fundamentals are going to be consistency. They're going to be creating content for the audience and what they want, and not for what you hope that they want or what your goal is is um, out of them. Thirdly is concentrating on social currency more so than monetization. We, again, we've talked it. We, it's a very impatient time. We want to move fast. We want to, um, to, uh, make a ton of money really fast that, that dreams being sold to us. But I promise that building a great community takes time. It takes hard work. And if you accept that from the beginning that, Hey, you may not, you know, make a million bucks tomorrow. But if you accept that, concentrate on social currency and start and commit, it's like a workout. If you commit to doing this, you will get to that end result. Mm. So my, my advice would be figure out your fundamentals and stick to them and can think of this as a long-term play because it, it truly is a long-term play. And, um, and some of the businesses that we have have just paid off 
you know, I couldn't imagine another business model at this point. It's unbelievable. Mm, 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 mm. And that's amazing. And congratulations on that. Cause I think that's, that's really important, really powerful. So, um, what do you think holds a lot of people back? Um, I think that, yeah, there's, there's oh, number one, I think is we look out at the competition, so to speak, the people who do what we do or the people who are around what we do. And we see people who do things a different way. And we start questioning, are we enough? Are we good enough? Will people like what I'm saying? Um, and I think that that's the, the number one barrier is self. Mm. Is making sure that, you know, you want to help yourself before you help others. You want to make sure that you're in a confident state mm. and you're at a point where you feel very confident with what you're sharing with the world. Mm. I think that that's number one. And the best way I found to do that is do for yourself what you want to teach others. And I know that's silly to have to say, but a lot of people skip that step, right? You know, they, they want to do for others without really doing for themselves or really uh, using what they're what and learning what they're actually going to be teaching. So um, that's number one for me is, is build your confidence through action. And number two is there will be a point, and I promise you, I mean, I've been doing it for, for a long time in, in the grand scheme of things um, for, for internet marketing, a pretty long time. And there are still days when I wake up and I'm thinking, do I really want to do this today? Mm -hmm. It's not all rainbows. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to always be fun, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Mm -hmm. So be prepared to have hard days and be prepared for hard knocks and know that there will be a time that comes in your future where you, you're going to want to mentally give up. It's like anything in this world that, that is good. There will be something that will eventually make you question whether you're on the right path or not. And mm -hmm. I just hope that you trust the process and you, um, you, you trust that, hey, even though this is a hard time right now, I'm going to keep pushing because um, I promise you, you'll get there. Mm, 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 mm. That's really, really well said. And again, you got to be about the journey. You got to be about the lifestyle. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. You can't. <clears throat> you, and that's where I think you do need to partner with people because whatever it is, you have to be passionate about it. There has, you have to be there to serve. And so if, you know, like, <clears throat> let's say you were the one that started the basketball channel. Once you feel like you're not able to really push the envelope or be the best person to be in front of the camera, stop being in front of the camera, you know, find <laughs> another role and you have to find someone you can trust and partner with. And maybe there's going to be ups and downs and things that go well or don't go well, <clears throat> but you have to be about that life and about helping people with that, you know, and, and, and that's one of the benefits about being an owner is at least you can choose what role you have and kind of move around a little bit, right? Wherever, wherever you see fit and partner with people. And maybe you take a smaller percent of the pie for now and then a bigger percent later. I mean, Steve Jobs got kicked out of his own company. You know what I mean? Like at some point, but then they yep. brought him back. Like it's, it's cause he was about that life. You know, he was about that life. He was about a fundamental principle that, you know, that, that was what Apple needed and depended on. So I don't know if I'm, yep. if I'm beating a dead horse, but I think that that's, Anyway, I, I just really agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And I mean, you know, to reiterate, one of the biggest challenges for me was stepping away from YouTube as a vertical jump coach. I had a lot of attention. I had, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. But I had to kill myself off of the business um, and off of the YouTube because I, I couldn't do what I was teaching others to do anymore. I started having knee problems. Mm. I was getting older. I had to take that that ego trip 
but it was the right move for the business. And I love that you mentioned that because it, it actually resonates with me 100% because I, I had to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in some ways, it may have been more liberating because this is a really important thing yep, is yep. like when you go to a McDonald's, they're never like, hey, sorry, Tim's sick today. Drive throughs closed. Like that just doesn't happen okay. because the business exists as a separate entity to 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 to, to provide a service to the community. And so, like you said, when you couldn't because your knee and whatever, a lot of businesses, the owner is a focal point. I mean, we did another interview with a guy, Liam Martin, where we talked about some of the bottlenecks. He owns staff.com. And so they were helping, like, they help a lot of big companies grow and, like, with, with documenting their internal, pro- like, enterprise stuff, right? And so you're saying that in a lot of these co- corporations, there's always, the bottleneck is always a sacred knowledge problem where there's only one, a couple of people that know how to get the job done. And there's no documentation in the team. It can't be transferred to someone else. And so I bet by having to step out of that role, you've probably now grown to now where you, like you said, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but were you able to manage as many channels as you can now when you were still the one in the videos? And if I'm wrong, that's okay. I'm not going to cry. No, about it, no, no. You nailed it. It was one of the best. I, I found out the moment I stepped away was very scary for me. I thought that what, you know, is this going to hurt the business? How, how are people going to react? It literally is one of the main reasons that we're where we are today mm. because a younger version came in that could walk the walk, talk the talk, very, very skilled, brought the whole basketball side. Uh, Cause I was just a vertical jump teacher at the time, brought the whole basketball side of the business to what we were doing and blew everything up because I was able to step away, kind of look at the, you know, step back and see the, the whole picture and then run the orchestra, so to speak, uh, become the coach instead of being the quarterback. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. I think that's really, really powerful. I think because a lot of people were control freaks. You got to do everything. It's not, you know, and I remember I had a mentor. He said, Daryl, everyone's going to be a beta version of you, right, in your company. You just got to acknowledge that, recognize that, and find a way to deal with it. And I, anyways, I just, I like you say, like, then you became the coach. You became the coach. Because, yep. you know, they may not be you, but you can coach them, right? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So any habits, like as far as day-to-day routine, like life routines? Uh, I mean, you mentioned creating content in bulk once a month. What, any other <laughs> habits or routines you feel have helped you on your path to success? Constantly learning? So, so yeah. So for me, it, it's it's touch points. Um, I want to make sure that I talk to all partners, um, if not on a daily basis, then at least every single week I'm in communication with every single partner that we have. And we have a lot. That's one of a big part of our business model is partnering with other businesses like us and helping mm-hmm. them grow. So that's number one for me. It's same with clients. We make sure that we, we have contact with each client. It's something that I like to take personally um, just to let them know that, hey, we're there. Right. And uh, we, we're paying attention, so that's important to me. And then from there, I have to always be in multiple things. The way my my brain works, I like to have multiple things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everything is, for me, about money. I mean, we're starting a local business in Roanoke, Virginia, doing uh, food delivery, for example. We have small little things that we enjoy doing um, You know, that aren't necessarily for the money, but they're for the challenge, because that's really, really fun to me, and I like to to find different ways to challenge myself and then document it. And then that becomes great content for the people who are, are hopefully giving me some of their attention because that's a, a tough thing to get nowadays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what do you see as the future 
of where this is going, this type of business model, producing content like this? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's um, the, the sport of business idea that I that I'm really going with is teaching that mentality of of having having the mindset of um, putting in work every single day to chase your passion and to do what you love and um, understanding foundations and putting them in place, building community, um, finding right teammates. It's all an area that from sport that I'm, I'm bringing to business. And that's something that is going to be my future for sure. Um, with, I love basketball. We're going to bring on a lot of, uh, professional talent, well-known guys to come in and start, um, you know, helping us train at the highest level for our kids. We want to bring our kids all over the world, the best training possible. And, um, you know, where, where is there better talent than the NBA? Right, 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 right. So, Adam, this has been a really good content-rich uh, call. Again, I encourage all the listeners, you probably want to listen to this another time just to make sure you get all the goodies out of it. We talked about a lot of fundamental principle stuff that will work, whether it's email, whether it's online or offline. A lot of the stuff is transferable, and it's foundational stuff that I think is really important to master. Adam, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? You know, um, that's a good question. I, I don't. Not that really comes up. Nothing that I think of that really comes up um, because I think that we all just need to figure out like our journey. And I think that's my biggest advice to anyone is everyone's journey is different. Uh, be prepared for adaption. If I had to name one key thing that uh, will make or break you in, in the industry that you're in, I would say adaption and how fast this the game we play moves. And if your ability to adapt is going to be a, a huge part of how well you succeed. Mm, mm. And is there anything, is there a magic room? Is there anywhere, like, are we going to hang up this phone call and then you go, all right, Daryl, now that we got all that BS out of the way, let me tell you the stuff that really works. Is there like a secret magic room that none of the listeners like know about? Or did you actually give the real deal stuff here today? Oh, no, I gave, I definitely gave the real deal stuff. I'm a big believer with how fast everything moves is I can give away everything that I know to the best of my ability um, on a podcast and it's actionable and it's useful. But saying that with, that's why we created, you know, for example, our Facebook group, the online business club, we created that for the idea of, Hey, this is constantly going to change. YouTube goes through and, and social media in general goes through hundreds of algorithm changes each and every year. And what works today on this call may not work in six months or may not work in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, I think that's important to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if anyone's struggling, you already mentioned the Facebook group. Let's mention that again. How do they reach out and get in touch with you? If they're going through this, if they're listening to what we did, talked about in this call, if they're having some questions of that, how do they get in reach? How do they get engaged? If they have a channel and want to work with you, what are the best ways to get in contact? Sure. Um, the online business club. So it's facebook.com slash groups slash the online business club is uh where our group is and then um sport of business.com sport of business.com it's my personal website that um is finally set up and rolling here and that's a great place to get in touch with me as well perfect perfect so adam thank you so much for your time today i know you've got your own audiences and your own communities you could be spending time with thank you so much for coming to share with mine and uh, and just dropping these great value bombs. It's been an honor and a pleasure, and I, I really value you coming and sharing with us. I tell you what, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like I told you, I've been following you around now for years, and uh, to have the opportunity for you to have selected me to do this is 
um, an absolute joy, and I'm so thankful. So I really appreciate it, Daryl. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.